ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these. Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me, as always, Mr. Zach Bartle. Zach, what's going on, man? Dude, I just figured out the best way to cook uh, corn on the cob in a hurry. Really? Yeah, and that is to wrap it in damp paper towel and microwave it for five minutes. Boom, life hack, everybody. Nice. You're welcome. Nice. That is uh, that is great. We've done that before with uh, sweet potatoes when we've been uh, yeah, yeah. in a hurry. Yeah, so works with corn on the cob, too. I'll have to remember that. Dude, where were sweet potatoes, by the way, like when we were kids? Like there was there was like the crappy like like dog foodish yams in a can that some weird relative would bring to Thanksgiving with marshmallows <laughs> on top, but like an actual sweet potato. Like I thought I hated sweet potatoes until like 2006, and then someone was like, "Here's an actual sweet potato," right? And put a little butter on it, and a little little bit of cinnamon and sugar, or some sour cream, and it's delicious. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. No, I, I agree. Like, I mean, growing up in New Hampshire, I, I heard the term sweet potato before, but never knew what it was. I mean, and, and like, in all fairness, in my house, we enjoyed the taste of food. So, like, we didn't have, like, the yams and things like that. Like, we had the good stuff at Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, I wasn't exposed to sweet potatoes until uh, I married my wife and came to live in Maryland, which uh, I guess it's definitely more of a southern thing, that sweet potato casserole. So, Yucks. Yep, yep. So uh, we have some exciting news from Mission Aware. I was just talking with uh, Jeff today. Um, Actually, I'm going to have to go in and edit what will be last week's podcast because we're recording this one a week ahead of time. Um, But, you know, this is all part of the recording business and letting people in behind the screen, as it were, um, as to how we do things. But for... um, Basically, when this drops, there will be, uh, I think, five days until Father's Day. And so Mission Aware is running a promo for us. Um, if you go into Mission Aware and order your stuff and you uh, order $50 or more, they'll give you $10 off of your purchase um, by entering the code TGT11. These go, uh, yeah, these go to 11, so TGT11. Um, so don't forget to check out Mission Aware for uh, great Father's Day stuff, and then I'll also um, make sure I go in and put the edit in. That's more for your info, Zach, than anyone else's. But hey, I don't do a lot of work on this podcast, so I may just leave all this stuff in there. <laughs> raw. It's That's like, right. remember sugar in the raw? That's right. That's right. Sugar in the raw. You know what that was, though, dude? They wanted you to think it was, like, unprocessed. They oh. actually remove the molasses, and then they go back and put it back in. Right, right. Yeah, well, it's... So it's not even raw. <laughs> yeah. The well, 90s were one big lie in that way. <laughs> well, we've really just carried all that stuff over, though. I mean, come on. The whole organic craze and kick that goes on, you know, I mean, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, you'll you'll live 10 years longer if you eat organic and you eat healthy, and, you know, it turns out that, you know doesn't matter whether you're eating organic or not, you know, you get the same amount of chemicals and processing in your system as if you don't. So, you well, know, Nathan, I mean, you're a science guy. You realize that the only thing that we consume that's not organic is salt, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anything carbon based is right. organic. <laughs> right. <laughs> I always say that to people. I'm like, oh yeah, this is organic. I thought really, oh, absolutely. Yeah. The pig it came from definitely a carbon based life form. Oh, uh, that's great. That's great. Although, uh, if you saw Evan's post, according to Evan, um, even as a Christian, even though, uh, you know, I, I teach science, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, 
Did you? Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, no. you did it? Oh, yeah. He threw up a uh, a Twitter thing, um, basically, uh, you know, nailing us. It was something to the effect of, you know, well, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, these two guys, you know, can't knock them off the, uh, you know, scripture script and. You know, apparently all thought goes out the window when when the Bible's involved and all that stuff. So, uh-huh. yeah, well, I can't wait to have that gentleman back on because that wasn't a really dry, boring episode at all. I know, right? That's that's exactly what I was thinking. Was like, wow, I you know, I actually thought we gave him a lot to think about and chew on, but I feel like the one after it where we kind of analyzed it was that was the 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 meat there. Yeah, yeah, the organic meat. Yeah, which uh, you know what though? Scratch that. And another definition. Uh huh. And this will let you know just how much I want to talk about Evan. Um, <laughs> hot dogs really aren't organic because, like, lips and hooves aren't organs. Oh, you know? fascinating! Right? Because they're um, what are what are um, miscellaneous? I I don't yeah, know what the- <laughs> yeah. I, I forget. I forget the uh, technical term. Like, I'm winding down to the end of the year, so all my brain functions are slowly turning off. You turned those off when you became a Christian. Who are you kidding? <laughs> oh, dude, that was awesome. Oh man. Well, you know, speaking of uh, speaking of not thinking, um, we do our best work when we don't think. So, in uh, in that vein, we actually have several questions that people have asked us. Um, so we are uh, going to take our time and answer some of those. Well, you gave me a lot of time to chew them over. Nathan. <laughs> Dude, I, I love to give you the maximum prep time possible when it comes to this podcast. <laughs> In other words, uh, I'm getting them now. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Hour ago? Half hour ago? And the nice thing is, like, don't think, react, don't think, react, man. That's Just right. Do that. That's right. That's right. I'm in danger of overthinking it. Really, I, I am. I'm, I'm a guy who will overthink stuff. Oh, so it works out better if I just kind of send you things last minute. Yeah, probably. I reserve the right to grouse about it, though, like okay. a man in the mid, you know, sliding into the back nine of his life. That's right. <laughs> uh, fair enough, man. Fair enough. Uh, well, the, you know, this first set of uh, questions we have is from our good buddy Tyler. He's uh, sent in several. Um, and I love his opener. Uh, I feel like I keep writing in topic suggestions, but you guys keep recording them, so I'll keep writing. And uh, we love it. Don't forget that you can um, let us know about different suggestions you have one of two ways, um, preferably the one of two ways. Either you can go on to the website, the Podcast 11 website, and um, there's a uh, section set up about sending in um, questions for us, or you can go to these go to 11, all spelled out, then the number 15 at gmail.com, and you can write them in as well. And I've had several other questions come in through the these go to 11 Facebook page and Twitter and all that as well. So there, really, there are a number of ways you can get it. The fastest is going to be one of those two. Um, so uh, Tyler's question is, can you guys talk about Christian influences in your life, um, possibly under the following format? A historical Christian who has influenced you and how and why, a current modern Christian, someone you don't know who has influenced you and how and why, and a Christian you know personally who has influenced you, how and why. Um, so, Zach, since I gave you the least amount of time, I'm going to let you go first. Well, that makes a ton of sense. Um, <laughs> but I don't think, remember, so. <laughs> right. Oh, man. I, I, are we starting with the – we, we, why don't we go back and forth? 
uh, topic by yeah, topic. I think I think that sounds good. We'll start with uh, the historical figure. And I, I mean, I've got a couple of these. I'm sure you do too. But yeah, we'll start. No, with... I, I refuse to limit it to one. Yeah. That, oh that, yeah. I can't play favorites. In fact, I, I probably could. I probably could do a weekly podcast of historical <laughs> Christians that have helped form my theology and my identity that were you know and go for three years. Yes. So, yes. Absolutely. Uh, I just have to go with whoever pops in my mind. Um, and then they're just so you know, they will absolutely all be um, stereotypical, you know, like what you'd expect from a guy like me. Sure, sure. Um, I'd say first and foremost, predictably, the Reverend Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Mm. Uh, I mean, I the thing the thing with this guy, the only downside. All right, a we know he wasn't sinless because he was uh, definitely. Uh, a guy who who struggled a little with gluttony. Mm-hmm. Um, he he wrote a little about that, uh, and other than that, <laughs> yeah. there, there's something you know when when you talk about like um, I love John Calvin, which I do, uh, and then someone's like, "Hey, look at this writing where John Calvin's like burn the witches," and I'm like, "Ah, dang it!" You know, <laughs> if people, people can bring up with historical figures these um, things that are tied to the time and place they lived. And go, they should have known better. And I'm like, well, I can't say they shouldn't have known better. Right. Um, but Spurgeon is one of these guys. Like, I mean, one time, I think I came across one thing in his writings where I was like, that sounds like a smidge racist, but he doesn't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he people in the South burned his sermons because he was such an abolitionist. Mm. So he wasn't racist, but he, it was something like if uh, if an Ethiopian skin could be made perfectly white, and then he re- he, le- he referenced the quote improvement. Uh, and I'm like, yikes, that's, but that's it. Like, that's right. the thing. That's the one thing. He, he had no mistresses. He had no weird stuff. It's nice to just have someone who's already dead and buried, who I know next week he's not going to uh, have a, a big thing blow up where right. he was texting with someone, you know, and it got all lurid. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, if five years ago, I might have said Tuli and Chavidian, and, and, you know, then, then you wind up looking embarrassed or whatever. Right. Um, Spurgeon is one of these guys that was so completely 100% Jesus all the time, um, but not in the way where you like neglect your family or something. I mean, just the kind of pastor that all of us Baptist pastors today know we won't succeed at being, but it doesn't hurt to try. In mm-hmm. fact, it, it helps. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I keep on reading his sermons. I read morning and I've been through morning and evening so many times that it's starting to lose its impact because I kind of know this stuff by heart. You know, there's only 365 times two. Uh, if you were smarter, I'd ask you what that is, but obviously. Um, obviously, and then I when we were my at, brain at the door. Uh, yeah. When we were at uh, Doc and Devo, mm-hmm. um, they were giving away the lost uh, sermons of Spurgeon, which are apparently now found. Uh, and it was like four volumes, and I think it was Crossway was doing it. Oh, wow. And I wanted, I was coveting. I was coveting that. And I, I, it was based on hashtagging Doc and Devo. And I was like, my phone started to melt. I was hashtagging them so much. And I didn't get it. Uh, but it's all right. I don't think in my lifetime I'll ever be able to read through all of the extant pre-lost <laughs> sermons of Spurgeon. <laughs> so uh, I, I really I appreciate everything about that guy's uh, writing, his ministry, his letters to my students. Mm-hmm. It feels like having a, a mentor... Uh, a famous mentor who, who really is, um, you know, and there's a danger to that. And we've talked mm-hmm. a little about that before. That, yeah. that porn and paper passage article I referenced that Dan Phillips wrote yep. ha- had to actually kind of help me rein that in a little bit at one point. 
Yeah. But man, do I love that guy's stuff. And uh, I, I will never, I, I, I can say confidently get tired of, uh, you know, starting a day with a, a big dose of Spurgeon. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I think uh, I, there, there's two things that I want to um, say uh, before I mention who mine is. One is, I think it's safe to say that like, probably everyone that we're going to mention is not going to be from the Bible. Like we're assuming people outside of the inspired word of God. And that's, I, I just want <laughs> to throw that Jesus out there. And I said Spurgeon. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I just, well, I just want to throw that out there because I think, you know, I, I, I don't want to get an email or a text or anything and be like, well, you didn't mention Paul or, you know, it's like, okay, okay, okay. Um, and the second he thing was a is misogynist. Yeah. <laughs> He was also for slavery. Come on. Um, you know, like I, I want to say that, but then the second thing I want to say is I think there's going to be a lot of overlap between who you say and who I say, because I would agree with everything you said about Spurgeon 100%. I love, um, love reading his stuff. I have on, uh, my, my Kindle, uh, this little book called, um, it's like quotes by Spurgeon and it's just sections of, um, stuff that he wrote from different sermons that he wrote. And, um, you know, it's just a great little, little book that I have. Um, but the one that I'm going to mention now is going to be, um, St. Augustine. Um, his, okay, conf- you, I steal one of yours. You steal one of mine. Fine. Okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> th- this shows you how much prep goes into this. <laughs> now, now, Nathan, can I just real briefly say, uh, St. Augustine is a city and St. Augustine is uh, a, a foundational member of the, the Christian church. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what an insufferable douche I am. <laughs> uh, um, so Augustine, happy. Um, <laughs> um, I remember the first time reading uh, the confessions and just – loving it, just being blown away by his, um, honesty, just, you know, going through from, you know, birth until, um, you know, I didn't read the whole thing, um, just up to his conversion. I think there are like 66 books or something like that in the confessions and, um, up into his conversion is like, um, 20 or something like that book 20 or something like that. I can't exactly Those are remember. Rough, man. Um, and they, they, they are, and they can be. Um, but I was just, I was so impressed by it and enjoyed it so much. I actually incorporated it when I taught Bible into one of my Bible classes and we would go through, um, the confessions together. And so we would actually take the time to read them in class and let the students like ask, well, what does he mean by this? And, you know, um, the section where he talks about, you know, being sinful, um, from birth, you know, it, to me is just a great section to help. It, it was a great section to help my students realize, you know, that we're not, we're not born perfect, you know, that we are born with sin. And it's important to understand that, that sin doesn't, you know, develop as we get older and we become wiser to the world that we are born with this sin nature. And so, you know, um, we need, we need Christ through every aspect of our life. It's not just this one, you know, this point, once we reach a certain age that, Oh, all of a sudden now I need Christ in my life. No, no, no. We need Christ always, um, from birth, from cradle to the grave. Um, and for me, it was great, uh, helping them realize that. And it was, it was good too, because, 
you know, a lot of uh, kids nowadays think they're raw and cutting edge and, you know, they're sneaky and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to do, you know, the crazy thing. And like reading through his confessions, it's like, guys, he, he was doing all the same stuff that if you're not doing now, it's the stuff that you're thinking about doing. And you're trying to like, you know, get the edge on and, you know put that one up and it's like, you know, these are, these are the things that he's doing and he realizes that he needs a savior. This is why he needs a savior because he's just depraved completely and utterly. And so, um, for me, that was, um, one of the greats and one of the things that I loved about, um, teaching to my students and using, um, that book in particular with it. Um, um, that, that's the one that I'm going to mention, and I'm sure you have a couple others that you um, could mention too, Zach. So I'm going to let you do that real quick. Yeah, you know, and with, with Augustine, one of my favorite things is just uh, how it's not, and I, and I, I have no problem with, and love, and celebrate, and and uh, like to hear about these conversions where it's just like boom, all at once. Mm-hmm. I had a guy at my church just now got saved. Uh, we had a huge drug problem. I'm baptizing him this Sunday. Nice. He's going to give his testimony. This guy was on the way to being dead, hit bottom, got saved, and it's been a couple months, and the desire for drugs is gone, right? That's great. Um, my pastor growing up, uh, not, no, I'm sorry, not growing up, my pastor uh, in, in college, when I was doing like uh, my, my internships and stuff, he, he said people knew he got saved the next day or something was up with him because he used to curse like a sailor, then he went to Fisher Body where he worked, and... His, all of a sudden, he wasn't swearing. And I'm like, geez, that didn't happen with me. Right. I mean, I got saved when I was a little kid, but you know, I still struggle with the old tongue. Right. Um, and Augustine's one of those. You know, one of these, uh, Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. You know, kind of always ever on the cusp of, yeah, my mom's into this. I kind of assume I'm going to be. I'm kind of believe. And then he has that, you know, the take and read and, and uh, a real conversion experience. And the desire to sin doesn't just go away all at once. Mm. Um, you know, it's a re- it's a very real, um, very relatable yeah. kind of thing. You know, he's 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 fallen, and you know, he's probably jacked up. The he's he's, he's built some neural pathways that need to be filled in. Right, takes some time, and it's encouraging to read. You know, one of the great theologians and, and most of the great theologians in his time period are, are you know north africans right uh, and so that's that's also an interesting thing but but for one of these great theologians from kind of what was one of the hotbeds of christian thought at the time at the same time as he's laying out these amazing doctrines you know everyone he's like the abraham of christianity right i mean yeah. everyone points back to him yeah. roman catholics augustine augustine uh you know calvinists uh, Luther was an Augustinian monk, and he maintained all this. Uh, the Orthodox could take or leave him, mostly leave him. But you know, right. it's it's amazing to me that that he was a regular guy with struggles, and yeah. that's just to me that's really encouraging. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree one hundred percent because I, you know, it's it's interesting because I I look at scripture and I read through you know books like Daniel or I read Joseph and it's like you know 
thinking about, you know, you don't see the struggles that they went through. And I mean, you see the struggles, the physical struggles, but the spiritual struggles, it just, it seems to come more easily and naturally for them to just turn to God immediately throughout things. Um, you know, and so I always say I would love to be, you know, like, like Daniel, but I identify a lot more with David, um, where everything is just right out there. And, you know, like, the, the things that he does, it's very reactionary, you know, and it's not all wholly reactionary. Um, and so, you know, like I said, I, I love to be Daniel where, where that's what I, you know, I'm striving for, but most closely identify with David. So very cool. Did uh, you ever read Cliff Graham's Lion of War books? No, I haven't yet. That's uh, on my to-do list. Uh, yeah, do that this, this summer, summer man. Yeah, yeah. Holy crap. They will blow your mind. I mean, insight into... You know, using uh, a combination of insane amounts of research and travel and, and just a crazy level of expertise and all this stuff nice. with the, the military mindset and experience. Yeah. Um, you know, getting inside the head of Daniel and his mighty men, uh, the, you know, the, the Gibberim. Um, it, it, that, I can't read the Bible the same after, after reading those and then going on an Israel trip with Cliff right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, seeing these places and stuff. Nice. Um, but okay. I, let me, let me, uh, actually move on to my second guy and all of mine. I just realized I got three in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all Baptist. So <laughs> just, I got You know, I'm representing there if they go. say, as the kids used to say. Boom. Sometime. Um, the second would, would be Dr. John Clark. And I, I know fewer people will be familiar with him. He's uh, a very early American Baptist. Mm. Uh, if you don't know the history of the Baptist Church, started in England. Uh, there was great persecution under Archbishop Laud and the the Anglican Church. Um, persecution of any nonconformists, including Puritan separatists and uh, Baptists. So they they all got in boats and came here. We all know about that, right? Mm-hmm. And um, when when they arrived, you'd think they'd be like, wow, so it feels really bad when you're persecuted as a minority religious group, so let's not do it. Only that's not how it happened at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like, now that we're in charge, right. <laughs> we get to decide who to persecute, and the most obvious people were the Baptists. Uh, so... The the Baptists were horribly persecuted. This guy named Roger Williams, who was the first Baptist in America that we know of, founded the First Baptist Church. He went and he was he was banished from uh, Massachusetts Bay Colony, mm-hmm. bought some land from Native Americans, which mm-hmm. was an odd thing to do, uh, and started uh, in a little settlement called Providence. Yep, uh, with the crazy notion, this Baptist notion that it's not. Uh, a place where only his stripe of Christianity is safe and everybody else is thrown in the stocks, rather the notion of religious toleration. Then, now the reason I, he's not my big hero is because he was only Baptist for like 25 minutes. I'm exaggerating <laughs> a bit, but he went, he went from you know, Anglican to Puritan to Separatist to Baptist. And he wound up a seeker, which means you know, he's like, I don't think there is a church. The apostles failed, et cetera. Very uh, kind of a downer. Right. Uh, but then this other guy came in named John Clark. He was a lawyer educated member of whatever the British version of the bar is, probably the bar, I don't know. Uh, he was a physician, and he was a, a theologian and pastor. I mean, just like amazing. This guy's just mind-blowing. Uh, and he came to Providence for a while, uh, and he liked what they were doing. He liked the vibe, and he wound up uh, founding Newport 
mm. which is also in, in Rhode Island. Yep. Uh, and he he has so his church is the Second Baptist Church in America. Uh, actually, I have I have a copy of an old book, uh, probably from the late 19th century, making a case, very ardently making a case that his church is really the First Baptist Church, as if that matters so much. Uh, and in the back of it, it has this awesome little advertisement for this weird like steel contraption that a pastor can wear that will straighten his back and make his voice better. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you that. Uh, maybe I'll shoot you a, a graphic of that. You can throw it up on the show notes. Let's see if we can get someone to send it to you, and you can use it. Uh, you know, when you preach again, <laughs> somebody will make the prototype. We'll kickstart this thing. That's right. Uh, it definitely doesn't look like it would eventually like break your back or anything. Um, but but what's so cool is, is that he he continued to be a pastor. He continued to be like the town doctor and barrister or whatever. I don't know how quickly we moved away from a. You know, British thought of, of legal system. And then he, uh, he wanted, they all wanted to make sure. Ann Hutchison also came in. And, uh, and so, I mean, we have in, in front of Portsmouth. So Rhode Island, what is now Rhode Island, was this little enclave of religious toleration. Like this mm-hmm. weird idea. You could have a Quaker meeting house next to a Baptist church, next to a Puritan church, next to an Anglican church. And nobody's trying to kill or jail or anything each other. Right. Um, we take that for granted and think, oh, it's American, but it was the Baptists who, who brought that. Right. People give all the credit to like Freemasons and, and Deists, but they were just grabbing our idea and running with it. Right. So anyway, he wanted to make sure that they were legit because if you know if they're not legit, then at any point somebody could just come in and you know France could be like, whoa, 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 this is ours, blah, blah. Nobody, <laughs> you know, no, no crown has, has claimed us. So he went back to England. And if you know anything about 17th century England, I mean, it's a mess. He goes back to try and get a king to sign a charter for this to be British land. Um, now, the reason they felt comfortable with it is because they'd paid the Native Americans. They knew it wasn't England's to give, but they also knew without this charter, the, having bought the land wasn't very valuable. So mm-hmm. he spent 13 years uh, in England, and you know, you've got... Oh, this back and forth, you know, if you look at the history of it, you know, going way back, it's, right. you know, Bloody Mary, Elizabeth, you know, Thomas, uh, you know, Cromwell, you got Cromwell, you got, so, so basically, um, he, he just rides it out. And eventually, I think it's Charles II signs this charter, which re- maintained, you can tell I taught a class on this a couple of weeks ago, uh, <laughs> which remained the, uh, the constitution of the state of Rhode Island until like 19 or 1862 or something crazy like that. Uh, and he comes back basically like victorious, like it, it, he called it, the king called it a lively, L-I-V-E-L-I-E, lively experiment. Mm. Like this, like he was just like, eh, we'll treat it like a, a reality show. Why not try having absolute religious freedom? Um, even for, and, and this was written in, in the early Baptist books, even, even, and this was a crazy idea for popish people mm. and for pagans and for those who have no religious faith at all, for Jews and Muslims. Uh, and so, you know, that's why we see in those Rhode Island settlements the first synagogue and, and all this stuff. So uh, I think if I could do anything to improve, you know, the PR and the, the name of Baptists in America today, <laughs> it would be to make everyone learn about jo- Dr. John Clark. Uh, and uh, say that's that's the historic spirit of being Baptist. Yeah. Uh, not what you see, you know, people out there with protest signs. Right. Uh, you know, who truly did check their brain at the door and, and replaced it with some sort of 
teenage angst. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, I, I think just, just somebody who's willing to see it through. Yeah. You know, 13 years with one goal in mind, I would have quit. He didn't. Yeah. Uh, and when he got back, kept on pastor in that church. He didn't want to become some big, huge deal. And very few people know who he was. He didn't care. Yeah. You know, I mean, this was what he wanted to do with his life. And man, especially, you know, as a pastor of, if you'd asked me when I was 19, hey, when you're 40, where are you going to be? I would have probably said, well, I'm going to be a pastor in, let's see, 40. I'll probably be on my third church and I'll probably be 7,000 members. And I've, I, my, I've grown since then. Right. And, and I, really, I really want to keep that, that heart that says, no, just plotting visionary, man. Keep every, every day, be faithful. Yeah. And with what you're given and, and with what you want to accomplish, what you have, think you, God would have you accomplish. So, hey, that's my number two. Go ahead. Nice. You know, and one thing that I was just going to say um, is, you know, it's fascinating because when you go back and you, you know, look throughout particularly early American history and, and you know, I, I think it, you know, behooves us not to, you know, idealize early American history and culture. I mean, there, there are tons of problems that can be pointed to, but one of the things, you know, again, coming off the heels of the discussion that we had with, um, Evan is, is the fact that when you look back, you know, and checking your brains at the door, I mean, all of the early American institutes for learning were founded by Christians. Like most of them as uh, seminaries and yeah. schools to train ministers, Harvard, Yale, Brown yeah. was a Baptist school for training ministers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so you just, you can't, you can't get over that fact, you know, that all of these establishments that we have in existence today were a direct result of these people who believed that it wasn't, it, it was education and their faith in God that we're going to be combined, that we're going to help establish the country that we now live in. Um, so yeah, you really, you can't get away from that at all when you look at the history of our country. Um, the second that I have, it's actually kind of, um, two that I want to mention together and that's John Newton and William Wilberforce. Did I steal those from you? No, no, no. Okay, They're cool. great, though. Go yeah. for it. Um, so uh, John Newton, William Wilberforce. I mean, I, I just feel like you can't mention one without the other because Newton had such an impact on Wilberforce's life um, to bring him to the point where, you know, basically single-handedly he was able to go into parliament and just um, a you know, abolish slavery. Um, you know, to me, that is just absolutely incredible in the epitome of, you know, the importance of like good mentorship, you know, like here are my mistakes. Here are the things that I did. You know, this is, this is an evil in our land and you have the ability to do something about it. And so you need to do something about it. And we had, um, we had uh, John Crotz on a few weeks ago talking about his recent book, and he went into um, you know this this uh, ten minute explanation about um, John Newton. And if you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to it. I'd love to have him on again to talk about that because didn't he say he's done some major um, historical work in paper writing on John Newton? Um, yeah, he was right in the midst of it when we talked to him. Yeah, so I'd love to have him on again and just um, talk more about more about that because it was absolutely fascinating. Um, but you know, just, uh, John Newton's story. And of course, you know, we have amazing grace that comes from that. Um, but then, you know, William Wilberforce, that next generation who, um, under, uh, John Newton's tutelage just, you know, sees in scripture, how evil and horrible this is 
and goes out and you know just goes into the parliament and you know starts fervently battling this um and so um you know if if you haven't seen the movie um amazing grace i highly recommend it my wife and i love going and you know doing the comparisons of you know the the real life story versus the movie story and this um very much uh mirrors the real life story of wilberforce and so um, bring some kleenex people yeah yeah, absolutely. Amazing movie. Yes, um, absolutely phenomenal. And I just, I love it because it shows us that as, you know, as Christians, as much as we can, we need to be socially active and involved in the problems of our day. You know, we can't just bury our heads in the sand. Um, we do need to, as much as God allows us to, be involved. You know, we we look at the disciples and the disciples certainly didn't tolerate sin, but they didn't have say in the things that went on, you know. I mean, th- there wasn't a parliament to go to, there wasn't a vote to be cast in order to go in and change something. And so, you know, it's it's different. They taught on, you know, the the evils of certain things and and um, you know how we need to live and work in you know the areas that God has given to us, and you know that's what they did. And we see in our society today, we have a voice. We have the ability to voice problems that we see. And so we can't just bury our heads to issues when it comes to race or when it comes to sexism. We need to be active in that and involved in that. Now, to to what extent, I think, you know, that is up to each person. I, I don't know how, you know, how great Facebook debates are, Um you know, and, and we've talked about that many times on this podcast, but no, we should be engaging when we hear certain things um, about these things. You know, I'm constantly um, in the classroom talking to my students about these issues and, you know, trying to make them as aware as possible of the reality because particularly as middle schoolers, they're ignorant a lot of times to these things. And so, um, yeah, so those are, you know, the two that I, I just really um, – you know, love uh, talking about and, and who I think influenced um, influenced me heavily, particularly when it comes to social issues. And I, got, I got two thoughts I want to I want to bounce your way on on uh, Newton. Yeah, uh, one is that movie. I yeah. guess which is more about Wilberforce, right? But but it's called Amazing Grace. Yep. It wonderfully celebrates the story behind it. Yep. And yet, it's what gave us that Tomlin tune with the. Uh, yeah, my chains are gone. There. Yeah, oh, I, I, and, and and I'm no Tomlin hater, but I think we all can agree we didn't need that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny because I uh, that's th- there are several that um, I I enjoy both. Like I don't mind singing um, that aspect. My chains are gone. I've been set free. I, I think the problem is we went too far in the other direction where most people, that's all we sing now. We don't sing the original. Uh, Which means you don't sing most of the verses. Right, like there's a bunch to that song. Yeah, there's there's what, five or six verses to that song? I think that, yeah, I think there's five. Maybe that, maybe there is six. Yeah, but you only usually sing three, I think, when you do yeah. the, 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 the Tomlin version. verse. Yeah. Um, so I, think I, I like that's when, the when I'm doing Tomlin, man, I want uh, like uh, lay me down or like God of angel armies or something right. yeah. really new and, and happening. Not uh, don't, don't, don't redo don't. the classic. It was like, what was that Babylon B article? I don't remember exactly what it was, but like he was arrested for it or something. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the other thing I was thinking was uh, you, you kind of 
nodded at this, but I think it's worth remembering that uh, Wilberforce, he went to John Newton. He was like, I think I need to go into the ministry because I'm feeling called, you know, to this sort of work, mm-hmm. um, like what you're doing. And, and he was like, no, 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 we don't need you in the pulpit. Right. He needs you in parliament. And, it, it, you know, the, the idea that it's not a higher calling, right. that's a very Gnostic view we have of things, um, that, that it's a higher calling to be a pastor or be a missionary than it is to be a lawmaker or, or a school teacher. Right. I mean, like you're, if you do it to the glory of God and you're doing what you're gifted to do, mm-hmm. it, there's no higher and lower calling. Right. Um, I, granted, I'm not going to say if someone says I'm called to this, yeah, then that for you, that's the highest calling. I, right. I and, and I'm not somebody who's so like hard cessationist. I'm going to say, no, you're not called to that. I think right. that's still, yeah, if, you, if someone tells me they're called to the ministry, so they leave their, their job as a middle school teacher. Right. But if somebody, I, in fact, I got a book just out now where <laughs> this happens. Somebody says, you know, I have this job um, that I'm really good at doing, but because I'm getting super intense about my faith, I feel like I have to mm. go into the ministry. Yeah. That's, you know, and, and if you read Newton's um, the sermons we have Mm -hmm. and about his ministry, this guy wasn't in the pulpit every week going, all right, let's talk about slavery and its evils again. Right. He brought it up when it came up in the text. Right. Because it, when it was, it was an important issue. And so you bring it up when you can and when it's natural, but he just preached the gospel. Right. And he said, other people who are Christians are going to bring the gospel to bear on, uh, changing the laws in this land. And of course they changed them long before we did. Right. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I agree 100%. Um, and that's that's actually been one of the freeing things for me um, is looking at where God has gifted me in certain areas because for the longest time I thought I was called into ministry. I thought I was called to be a youth minister and maybe God would work me into at some point um, you know, being a pastor. Um, I wasn't necessarily sure I wanted to do that though. And I spent um, a total of three months working as a youth pastor and I was like – this is not what I want to do. Um, you know, it, it, there <laughs> I don't is, want to spend the rest of my life blending up happy meals and making kids drink them for a yeah, gross out game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's not, it's not even that there was just, there was a completely different arena in which, um, youth group took place and, and where school took place. And I was like, I just, I love working with kids. I'm passionate about working with kids. You know, so where, where can I be used? And so I was, there was an opening at my wife's school as a teacher and just, I fell in love with, with that. I fell in love with being a teacher and being able to engage with students on that level, you know, and, and again, like you said, it wasn't the expectations of, okay, you know, we're going to play 15 minutes of this, you know, stupid game, um, and and then, you know, now it's time to get into the serious stuff or we're going to do the serious stuff and then we're going to do these, you know, games and stuff. It's, you know, it was being able to just interact on a on a real level that was very natural that wasn't natural in the youth group setting. Um, so, you know, yeah, I definitely I think, you know, where wherever you are, you know, use it for the glory of God. So number three for you, Zach, number okay. three. I'm going to do what you did and put two people together. Okay. And that's going to be uh, Adoniram and Ann Judson. Ooh, never heard of them. So this is the, uh, the first foreign missionaries from America, okay. the first Baptist missionaries from America as well. Although nice. when they left America, they were actually Congregationalists. They uh, kind of straightened out their theology uh, en route uh, on, the, on the open sea there. Nice. Um, 
but uh, you know, they were growing up in a time when hyper-Calvinism kind of ruled the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as I'm I mean, I'm a Calvinist. I think hyper-Calvinism is far more dangerous than even extreme forms of Arminianism. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I loathe it, and I see it starting to raise its ugly head. Yeah. Um, and you know, the same thing was happening in England. You know, William Carey is, is, is beginning his mission's work at about the same time, a little earlier. And you know, he's saying, I, the Holy Spirit is, is inspiring me We've got to go reach these people in these other lands who've never heard Jesus. And he's being told crap like, hey, God elects who he elects. If he's going to save the heathen, he'll do it without you and your efforts. Mm. Nothing but, you know, very discouraging responses. Yeah. Uh, He goes anyway. And uh, we all know that that was uh, quite a successful uh, endeavor. And, you know, about the same time in America, we have this this guy, um, I'd like to tell you his whole uh, conversion story, but we don't have time for it. He he becomes a Christian. He decides he wants to go to Burma. He, he gets together with some other students. He's part of the first class at Andover Seminary, and they form the American Mission Society, basically. It's got some super long name, but it's basically it's the first American Mission Society. Uh, I mean, there had been missionaries to America, mm-hmm. the black robes, you know, the Jesuit priests and stuff, but but this is a fairly new idea to be missionaries from America. And uh, they realize that the War of 1812 is coming because they're like, dude, it's, it's 1811 and we're scheduled for you know, a war in 1812. <laughs> uh, essentially, I mean, you could see it coming. Right, and right. they were going to barricade, you know, blockade rather, the, the ports and you wouldn't be able to get out, uh, naval blockades. And so he hurries up, marries his sweetheart. Uh, he asked for her hand in marriage with this letter that's like, I would like to marry your daughter if you're okay with basically me taking her to the land full of savages and, and dangers and you know uh, Burmese pythons where she may be killed in any number of ways and you probably will never see her again. Right. Uh, and they, they take off, they go, and they arrive in uh, India, and he thinks maybe this is where their mission is going to be, finds that the East India Company – uh, you know, good colonialist, good in quotes, Christian in quotes, white people uh, won't let them bring the gospel. They don't. They, we don't want you to tell these people they're made in God's image. Jesus loves them and died for them. We we just want to keep on right. making money off this deal. So they're basically they're not allowed off the boat. There, they're there for a long time, and eventually he winds up. Let's just go to Rangoon. They go to Burma. He spends. I mean, th- th- we're talking about a genius linguistically, especially. On, on a boat ride, he once got so violently ill, they put him down with some other ill passengers in like the hold of the ship. And to pass the time, he would think of a scripture from memory, translate it into Hebrew in his head, translate it from Hebrew to Latin in his head, translate it back to English just to pass the time. Um, crazy. Yeah, just crazy brilliant. He sets about trying to learn Burmese. Uh, when he gets there, Felix Carey, by the way, uh, William Carey's son is there. And he's just like, ah, I don't know how to missionary. I'm going back. And so he gets them <laughs> as set up as he can. Um, and basically, starting from square one, they start learning the language. As he writes the language, uh, writes the language. As he learns the language, he writes a grammar. He writes a dictionary. He starts translating the scriptures. And he gives his whole life. I mean, he loses uh, three wives. Uh, several children uh, during the course of this stuff. He's imprisoned for a while and, I mean, just gives up his – he loses his life to mm-hmm. gain it. 
Yeah. Uh, and and to, to this day, I mean, we have at my church, uh, we have two groups. We have a Nepali group and then we have a Burmese group that meets there. And they tell us that whether you're a Christian or not, Burma, they have a national day called Judson Day. They celebrate this guy. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, his wives and all the work that they did and all the sacrifices they made. And Christianity is, is blowing up there, especially in some of the more rural areas where it took a while to reach. It's exploding now. And, uh, man, I, I just love that spirit because I, I, a lot of, I know a lot of missionaries and I admire just about all of them. But there's something really special about not, oh, I want to do this thing that people are doing, but this should be a thing, so I'm going to make it one. Yeah. Even while people tell me that you know I'm, I'm wasting my time and it doesn't need to happen, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And of course, my so church good. is called Judson Baptist Church, so that's <laughs> another uh, <laughs> another weird little tie-in. Right. Nice. You got a number three, man, or were you? Or were you on? Uh... I do. Yep, I've All got right. a number three, and I'm going to. Um... I'm going to mention these two. A lot of people um, might say, well, these fall more in the second category. I'm actually going to put them in the first category because um, they died before I was born. And so, um, you know, and uh, the one has been dead for um, over 45 years now. Um, so, and again, it's a twofer because they really had an impact and influence on one another. Um, and that is uh, J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Um, and to me, um, again, you can't mention one without the other. Tolkien's influence on Lewis is what led him to Christ. And, you know, you can um, <clears throat> talk a lot about the issues that they had. I mean, they, they were both people. They both had issues. Lewis uh, was a pretty salty character. Um, but even with that, he knew and acknowledged that he had faults that he needed to overcome. Um, you know, a lot of people will point to Lewis, be like, oh, he was racist. He was this, he was that. Um, yes and no. I mean, I think it's unfair to, you know, take people out of the context of their time and expect a lot from them, you know, and, and yeah, it's, it was wrong, um, that Lewis was the way he was, but he was also a product of his time where, where these things were more, natural and accepted. And Lewis himself even admitted that in the areas where he would have considered himself more um, misogynistic, more racist, things like that, like Christ needed to do a work in his life to overcome some of those things. Um, that these were prejudices and things like that, that he held in his heart that God needed to still do a work in. And ultimately he would do one day. Um, and I just say all that to get it to get it out in the open because I think it is important to realize that, you know, like you were saying, you know, you look at um, some of these, you know, historical figures that we have, and they're all people. But that doesn't mean we can't look at them in light of the contributions that they've made to Christianity. When you look at mere Christianity. Um, and, and Lewis's contribution in that regard, I mean, his argument, Lord Liar, Lunatic, is just phenomenal. His reasoning and his logic when it comes to that is just, is fantastic. And it's something I think we need to acknowledge um, in that. And, and Tolkien's contribution to mythology and, you know, writing um, from the perspective of being a believer, but, you know, saying, look, I don't need to write books that are explicit 
Bresley Christian, my views are going to come out in my writing because this is who I am. Um, and these books are just beloved and treasured by both believers and unbelievers alike. Um, and so for me, a lot of that, um, a lot of the things that they wrote and going back, looking at the symbolism in Tolkien's works, I just, I love, um, the symbolism that he has looking at Lewis's works, both fiction and nonfiction, but particularly a lot of the nonfiction that he wrote, um, the section on the abolition of men, that section at the end, um, in the, um, appendix is just, um, absolutely phenomenal just it's worth the book alone just to look at the different what it does is basically takes the different cultures from around the world and does this comparison of the the natural law and the moral law and it just goes through a lot of those things and you know how could this be all random chance how could this just be coincidental there has to be a unifying factor um, and really does a good job at bringing those things together Um, so those are the two um, that i would kind of leave off with yeah i i'm not even 100 sure what you're talking about when you when you have the big preamble about lewis i mean i know i've heard people try and say that narnia is you know racist somehow i mean what what were his skeletons well, that- well i mean it wasn't it wasn't so much in his children's writing but like i mean there, there were you know there are things that would definitely be um mentioned in comments that he would make with friends and um, I got a book recently. Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of it was, but it, I mean, basically, it 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 shines a light on you know Lewis and and some of the things that he would say and um, you know some of the more colorful language he would use when describing certain people groups and things like that. Um, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, we need to you know kind of have a patience with people and time and culture where. Yeah, it's not right that he would use terminology and language like that, but also understanding that he was in a time and a context where that's what they were doing. Um, you know, and and I probably will get a lot of flack for this, but um, I want to be clear: I don't condone that. But it's easy for us, you know, where we are now, to look back on history and be like, "Oh, you evil, evil people," um, you know, and so. Um, huh. I, I guess I don't know enough about him to to know what what you're referencing, but I, I mean, I have a big problem with uh, the. I mean, Lewis's whole thing that that I run with is the chronological snobbery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where, where you you look down on people who came before you. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's funny is you're describing kind of a reverse chronological snobbery uh, in which. No, no. I guess I guess it's the same thing. It's not reverse yeah. at all. It's looking down on yeah. him for coming before us, right? Um, and you know, honestly, at the end of the day, I, a lot of stuff that I hear, um, you know, mud slung at some of the heroes of the faith who came before us is, oh, that guy was transphobic, and I'm like, a, that wasn't even a thing, right, uh, at the time, and b, I don't think it's a thing now, right. Um, so and <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, flame me. I don't care, everybody. Uh, again, over forty, don't care. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, and, and I'm not defending what he may or may not have said, cause I, I, again, I don't know. Right. Um, but as you know, somebody who is just dealing with the world he lived in, if he spoke bluntly about things, especially a guy who, you know, you bring him on during world war two to like speak basic truth and calm, you know, help right. people keep calm and carry on. Right. You know, he was like the engine behind that. He, he may wind up with some, uh, deeply ingrained, opinions right uh yeah and if as long as you're aware that 
that it's an issue and, and God's working on it, yeah, let's let's show some grace. But yeah, yeah, those are those are two great ones. I mean, granted, Tolkien wasn't a Christian; he was a Catholic. But right. uh, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we can't all be perfect. <laughs> Oh man! Someone uh, somewhere was like shaking their head for a second, like exactly, man. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> That's right. Oh, you man. got it right. <laughs> they were, they've been shouting at you this whole time. I know. Um, I know. I can't believe you mentioned him. What are, What are you talking about? Uh, now, uh, are we on to uh, the modern day? Yeah, yeah. The modern day, um, modern day Christian influences. So, someone you don't. Day. Know. Yeah, okay. someone you don't know. Yep. Well, for mine, it's going to be uh, Rachel Held Evans. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Good times. Good times. Can I make mine uh, Joel Osteen next? <laughs> <laughs> Other side of the same coin. That's right. Uh, I would say um, that I would. I would want to give this slot if I'm going to limit myself because otherwise we're going to go like three hours to just yeah. one. Yeah. And I'm going to pull a, a Nathan and put two in one All right. and say um, alive right now, Keith and Kristen Getty. Oh, nice. Yes. Utterly. I mean like huge influence on, um, my theology of worship, mm-hmm. my theology in general. Yeah. Um, and the way, you know the the language of worship and the the hymnody and mm-hmm. just I think there are treasures. Yep. Oh, dude, totally, totally agree. Could not, could not have thought of anyone better um, for you know in that in that topic and category. So that oh, fantastic. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna kind of uh, take it one step further. You know, we always do the bigger, better thing. Um, I'm going to basically just mention, uh, Ravi Zacharias international ministry. Um, the whole team that they have there is just set up and so well trained and informed for the purpose of engaging in apologetics, um, and engaging in the culture and just giving sound answers for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Why, why, you know, we read Christianity, um, had Evan on Christianity doesn't make sense anymore. I mean, their ministry is dedicated to why Christianity does make sense, why it is relevant within our culture and society and not breaking outside of the bonds of traditional conservative Christianity. Um, and so the, the work that they've done has just influenced me so much, you know, whether it's Stuart McGrath, Ravi Zacharias, John Lennox, um, going on and on and on, you know, through that team, everyone that they bring in to, um, to talk or debate, with um, someone or engage with a group of students. If you just go on in YouTube, um, any one of um, the ministry members and, and Ravi Zacharias himself, who is, you know, the founder of all that, um, just the answers he gives to responses that um, students have with questions, adults have with questions. Uh, the man's mind is just so unbelievably sharp and, and on it. And so, that would be um, that would be the one that I would mention. Now I'm just curious. You don't feel a need to make any kind of like uh, uh, disclaimer before invoking Ravi. 
Uh, no. Should I? Is there something I'm unaware of? Oh my gosh! Everything I hear about him is controversy lately, and it's nice to just talk about how the, that he's a great apologist. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to. I, I don't know what's going on with it. I don't know at all. I thought maybe it had all been laid to rest, and you knew something I didn't. No, I mean it's <laughs> funny. I, I think I know what you're talking about. There was. I, I did hear um, on the radio there was a reference, and I think it was actually when he was on about him, him saying something. And um, he was actually disinvited to a few um, schools to not speak. And, and the, you know, these are conservative Christian schools that he was disinvited to. And um, there was one school and he got on the phone with the headmaster and was like, look, we could sit down and we could have, you know, we could sit down and take a test of who's more conservative, you or me. And I guarantee you all wins hands down. This is what I said. This is the context in which I said it. This is what I believe. And this is how it was taken out of context. And uh, the thing I'm thinking about is a moral fa- uh, uh, failing. So, oh, okay, or a, a, an allegation of and denied. So, uh, oh, but, okay. So, I and, must hope, have and hopefully that that's. I'm, you know, it, it's it's a, a time now when I feel like you're you're not anybody if you're not being accused of something. And right. I just pray that there's that it's very seriously looked into, and that it turns out to be very clearly not true. Not true. Yeah. No, I haven't heard of that. I'll have to. Um, I would have to do a little more uh, digging on that one. But no, I'm not aware of anything like that. Well, one thing was, I mean, and this was a separate thing that, that he had been putting doctor on his stuff for a long time, and, and and a group came out and said, "You don't have a PhD," and he kind of came back and said, "Okay, yeah, you're right, um, and we'll take doctor off." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've, he, he, I think he'd been given honorary doctorates, and a lot of people just depend that to their name. Right. But it, rather than come out and fight over it and stuff, right. he just kind of said, "That's that's not, you know, that's not that's how I find my value is that right. I have doctor in front of me." And, and, and yeah, I've, I've always been a big a, a big fan of his stuff. And yeah. and you know, there's there's something about uh, we, we have a lot of people from the Nepali group in my church, uh, and I also know a lot of people from India because you know, very same part of the world, and they they you know, I did some weddings with some. And I love the – there's a few Indian accents, obviously, with how enormous <laughs> that country is. Um, right. But I love the Indian accent that's got the British kind of yeah. underlaying it. That's what Ravi's got going on. I think that's one of the most pleasant accents to listen to. Yeah. Um, I, you know, give me like Alistair Bag with that Irish lilt and yeah. then Ravi Zacharias with his thing. Absolutely. And they sound like ten times smarter just because they sound so much smoother. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember reading his his works in uh, some apologetics classes in my undergrad, and and thinking, wow, I kind of want to do this. Um, yeah. But the call to pastoral ministry, you know, it, it was was stronger. But yeah, he really he really makes it look easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Um, do you have, uh, we'll stick to two if you have another one. You know, I don't, I don't think I have one. Okay. All right, cool. Um, the, the only other one that I was going to mention is actually who you just mentioned. And that was, um, Alistair Begg. I, I remember, um, listening to him, uh, in high school actually, um, came on in the morning. So he was in my morning drive going into school every day. Um, and just, learning so much, um, from his teaching and, um, you know, trying to understand, um, scripture and how it unfolds and, you know, just getting so much out of that. I know a lot of people usually would go to like John MacArthur and and there are so many that you could go to, but, um, I just, he's one that just sticks in my mind, um, so clearly because he just, he had the sense of humor 
to go along with um, that accent. And so it was just the perfect combination. Yeah, he used to be on anytime I would be driving home from an evening uh, church meeting. Yep. He'd be on our local religious station. Yep. And it was a station that was like half the time it was like, you know, just garbage, like, uh, you know, prosperity, heretic yeah. people. And then there'd be a Dave Ramsey in the middle of the day, which seemed to kind of be like the segue from the prosperity <laughs> into the uh, the solid stuff. And then you'd have like uh, Renewing Your Mind with Dr. Yes. R.C. Sproul. Um, and, uh, you know, if he was still alive, I probably would have wanted to, to invoke his name here. Right. Uh, and then there'd be, um, oh, a couple other ones like David Jeremiah, you know, and then, and then in the evening you'd have, uh, Alistair Begg who just, oh my gosh, I, I, I really keep meaning to, uh, start binge downloading and, and binging his, uh, sermons, yes. but I haven't yet. I just, I, I've probably caught 30 of them over the years and nice. loved every one of them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. So then the last one um, is um, who uh, do you know personally who has influenced you? Um, so long of a list. I know. I I'll know. have to limit myself to a couple. All right. I'll um, let you, you kind of go through, go through yours and then I'll, okay. I'll go through mine. My first one's going to be my old man for sure. Mm. Um, just incredibly godly man. Incredible example of faith. Um, you know, as a father now, I realize that I learned so much more from him about how to be a, you know, a, a Christ honoring, uh, faithful disciple than I ever thought I had. You know, you, you, you learn things from the memory of, you know, he's not, he's not dad or anything, but, but, uh, from the memory interactions you had and things, um, not just when you live under the same roof with him. And then, right. uh, you know, does there, he he screwed up like any dad, not not big, but mm-hmm. but when he did, I have I have several memories of him like apologizing, and not just saying hey sorry you know what, but you shouldn't have screwed up or you shouldn't have said that to me, like actually saying, do you forgive me? Mm-hmm. And like always rooting his parenting in the gospel mm-hmm. and and never afraid to talk about um, grace and and it just. Super! I could never have possibly wanted to have a a better dad. Uh, so that that'd be one. And uh, <coughs> the my wife's work phone is in this room for some reason, and it's ringing. Um, nice. And then the other one would probably be uh, Dr. Mike Whitmer, uh, who was uh, my mentor in seminary. You you if you listen to my other podcast, Clint, you probably heard me interview him. Yep. yep. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, and and uh, just really helped shape my theology. My uh, a lot of, in many ways, my approach to pastoral ministry. <coughs> Excuse me, I don't know. I tried to, you know, you ever forget if you're supposed to inhale or swallow your saliva? <laughs> yeah, that's a. Every once in a while, I'm like, which is it? And then I go with the wrong one. Right. right. Um, but <laughs> so so his uh, narrative theology um, was just amazing. You know, the the creation fall. But that was I was throwing some of this stuff at. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Yeah. Evan, yeah. Poor, you know, and, and I'm glad I didn't mention Dr. Whitmer's name because he might have besmirched him to his 18 Twitter followers. Right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he, he really gave me, I think, a great base for viewing the Bible as one big story yeah. and then building my systematic theology within that, nice. uh, which I think is a key to having a really robust theology that, that isn't just – 
ivory tower theory, but works in real life. Mm. Um, and, and you need that to be a pastor. Yeah. And, you know, he was a missionary to China and lots of stuff. So I, I really, you know, it was, it was an honor to be able to study under him. I had a lot of other, I've had, I, had, I really could, you know, do a companion podcast to right. the <laughs> other one and, right. and go for years as well. And may, maybe both of those are, are worthwhile, you know, one of each. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe those are worthwhile uh, uh, programs to do. But uh, in the meantime, uh, since we're real short on time, I yeah. will hand the baton to you. All right. The, so I have um, three, but I'm going to mention two. I'm going to put two together again. One is uh, the, the two that I'm going to put together. Um, my pastor growing up, Pastor Steve Ludwig, and um, man who was my guidance counselor in high school, Mark Lester, um, both of them were just key and huge um, after my father passed away in helping to um, spiritually raise me and just kind of pick up and, you know, show me, um, you know, help me navigate through, you know, those teenage years um, and, and both just kind of huge mentors in my life. Um, so while not biological fathers, definitely, you know, huge spiritual fathers in my life. And, and even so much so that um, I, I call these men every year on Father's Day just to thank them because of um, how influential they were in my life and in my cool. development. Um, so those are the two that I'll mention together. And then um, the third would be um, Greg Dutcher. Um, and Who's that now? Yeah, right. <laughs> Who are you talking about? <laughs> I don't think I've heard of him before. Um, and uh, Greg was just, um, it, it was just, it was awesome um, because Joy and I had been in Maryland for several years um, and just kind of spiritually dry for a while in terms of the church we were at and we were just trying to figure out what we were going to do, where we were going to go. There are a lot of very um, liberal theological churches um, and so it can get kind of draining, um, <clears throat> you know, being in uh, churches that are not doctrinally sound. Um, and then um, finding uh, CFC was just a huge breath of fresh air um, and just, you know, being under his um, teaching has been uh, phenomenal. Um, so, you know, him not uh, being on the podcast, I, I don't have to worry about him, you know, getting all uh, blubbery and crying and all that stuff. So, um, <laughs> dude, I the could, trick is don't tell him you mentioned it. That's right. <laughs> See if he says anything. If he doesn't, he's not listening anymore. <laughs> oh, I don't, I, honestly, I don't think he is. I could actually oh, probably guarantee right. that he's not. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but and no, El Trogi is so. not listening to the happy rant, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every once in a while, don't they get like a note or message from him or something like that? And they're like, oh. I don't know. I don't listen to the happy rant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know they had him on for the hundredth, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, when when is, is, is there a big one coming up for, for this podcast? Yeah, I think we're, we're going to be coming up on like, um, uh, 300,000 listens. I think that's what we're going to be coming up on okay. soon. Um, we, so number are you on? That's a good question. And where my computer is up and running, I can't actually check that. So it would take me a minute to, uh, <laughs> to get on and, uh, look up the info. Um, I don't think we've hit no, we we've had to have hit two hundred episodes at this point, and we just missed it. Um, 
That's great. So focused on the three hundred thousand downloads. I know, right? <laughs> I'm I'm bringing up podcast. No, is it eleven? Eleven podcast? Yeah, eleven what's, podcast. What's it? Uh, podcast. So, and, yeah. and I I thought that maybe when we when we have uh, is this a, a secret that uh, you're you're in high level talks with one with your hero Big Dutcher to uh, to come back for a for an ep or two? I, I, don't, um, I don't think that's secret. It would be kind of money if uh, we came on and, and record one more to save for that big. Um, uh, oh, you didn't miss it. Oh, it says it? right now on the Podbean page, okay. 274,430 downloads. Holy crap. And 195 episodes. Oh, okay. So five more to go. Providentially, probably so. the 200th episode will happen with the 300,000th download, and that'll be the one that Dutcher's on. Nice. If if we could arrange that, that would be perfect. Yes. That so what I'll perfect. do is if we're if we're lagging on the downloads, I'll just sit there and just like download. <laughs> down. uh, this is using how different. We... Uh, you know, what do you have to use a different uh, yeah, servers? Ser- yeah, the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I What's think the word for the. Thing? I think it's the just stuff. a different IP address, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. There's, there's some kind of uh, good grief. I used to know technology. <laughs> <laughs> there's some kind of other server you go through. Right. Tweet us that. Uh, the, the, you two guys who send us questions, tweet me that answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Well, yeah, because all right. So right now, you and I are actually. That's not going to quite be true because proxy server, proxy, proxy server. server. There you go. Star. Right. There you go. Um, so yeah, that number actually won't quite be true because we have the one that uh, the follow up one we did with Evan. So that's actually technically going to release the week we're recording this. So that'll be one ninety six, and then this one will release at one ninety seven, and then we'll have we do yeah yeah. So we'll we'll do definitely and then we get Dutcher. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely we'll work all that out so we get Dutcher on for for two hundred. That'll be good. Now, now, do you want to also try and get uh, Steve on too, and, and and see how many guys we can get in the booth? Oh, actually, that w- that would be kind of cool if we could. It would uh, be, yeah. If we could wrangle up, maybe I could uh, talk to Matt Smith, see if I could get him on. Maybe, uh, maybe go way back, old school. Get Jeff Crotz on, John's brother. Basically, so, it would be like uh, when they did all the the uh, epic voice guys on the Honest Trailers in yes. one. Remember. That? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. We 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 won't do video this time. I do want to start messing around with video a little bit to see if we can uh, iron out those kinks, get some stuff up on uh, YouTube. But um, we will uh, refrain since that was uh, an epic disaster. Um, well, I mean, luckily I'm super handsome, so I'm I'm down for that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> just don't just don't get you know from behind where my hair is thinning significantly. And, uh, <laughs> Or from or from beneath where you can see my uh, you know jowls baby jowls right. that are starting to form. You got to get you got to get that like the get angle the that uh, the chicks get with the the selfies where they hold it up <laughs> as far as their arm will extend up above their head and then like trying to look like a got a lion. Just don't do your Botox injections the day before. Right. <laughs> I apologize. I have Botox my face into an expressionless mask. <laughs> 
I think we may have to save our boy Jared's uh, question for for a, a future episode. I agree. Yeah, we uh, so we got one from Tyler and we got one from Jared. Um, Tyler, we hit yours, Jared. Uh, I, I didn't email him and tell him we were doing it, so uh, you know he doesn't have to worry about that. But we will definitely save that for a later a later time and date. So um, we will we will get to it. Um, Zach, dude, I think uh, I think that's a wrap for us, man. That'll do so, it. Yeah, another successful podcast. What? What? Um, all right, man. We're gonna go ahead and sign off now. We just rocked the Casbah. These go to eleven. <laughs>